Good morning, brothers and sisters. I greet you in Jesus' name. It's been very good to be here this morning. Very humbling as well in just seeing God work, do things. The chapter in Revelation that is before us fits well with that. Weston's devotions, things that he mentioned. Um, so you may turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 in the book of Revelation. I think we'll just jump right in it to here. It's a it's a chapter, it's not very long, and we'll see how this goes. I think we'll begin by reading it and then go down through, see what we can learn. Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded, proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Let's go down through the verses. Um, notes of interest in each of them. First phrase in, in uh, verse 1 there says, After this. So it's continuation what we had with the churches. And it, it does give, it says, as I, After this I looked and behold a door was opened. There's a little bit of a transition as it moves from 
from what he was focusing on and what was written to the churches to something a little bit new. He's getting ready for what's next about the looking and beholding. He's seeing something. And this door was opened in heaven. And that's always intriguing when a door opens. You just wonder what's in there. Um, And that's what we have here. And it says he hears a voice that sounds like a trumpet. And this is the same voice as you, if you would, were to go back earlier, the same voice that is talking. It's a trumpet. He, he can't put it together. It sounds like a trumpet, but yet it's talking. And, and, it, and this one that says, after he sees the story, it says, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now I must say, this is the part that gets a little hard when you have the things that must be hereafter. Um, future things. It's, there's unknowns. And this does kind of, chapter 4, chapter 5, and, and once you get into 6 and 7, there will be um, things that I don't know of, and there will be um, unknowns, but we can at least look at what has been given in the book. But these, this is a beginning, and I don't know if the whole rest of the book hinges off of um, looking through this door, but... It does change, I think, scenes a few times, but this is definitely the one where he's showing, um, at least in chapter 4, of you know who God is, as we will find out here. It says, Come up hither, and I will show things which must be hereafter. And then verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, I looked up, what the word heaven means there because a lot of times you have heaven and earth and sometimes heaven can be like um, you know we have the earth here and it's the universe out there and that sometimes is referred to as like the cosmos or the you know all around in the physical way but this this word heaven is uh, past that it's it's farther on it's where God is and that is um, what we're talking about here uh, at least in heaven, which can be uh, taken a number of different ways when you when you think of the word heaven. So a throne is set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And here's probably, if anything that I struggle with this morning is, is how to relate to this one that sits on the throne as people, created people. And we think of a throne. We talked about kingship, kings in the Sunday school lesson, how they were set up and they were in power. They were in charge and they had control, if you want to say, at least to somewhat in their responsibilities, what they had. So let's look and see who this one is. It says, and one sat on the throne. Verse 3, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now that may sound a little funny when you think of the two stones there, a jasper and a sardine. I am not sure why King James uses that. We know of a sardine as uh, something that you eat, it's a little fish. That's not really the case here. It gives reference to some various um, stones. I'm, I didn't study into it a whole lot. There's another name that's real close to this. Um, and you can look it up. The point given here is that in the Old Testament, the high priest wore a 
a robe or a garment that contains stones on the breast piece. And as you study, it uh, tells you back in the Old Testament, the first stone, it should be this, and the last stone should be this. And those happen to be these two stones. The first, they have it switched around, I think, a little bit. I'm not quite sure if it's the jasper or the sardine, but one of them come first and another one came last. And it just is a small detail of who this is talking about again. This is the one that started everything and the one that will finish everything. Who was, I mean, we have that phrase over and over about, you know, who was, who is, who is to come. And it just puts it together, the alpha, the omega, the first and the last. Um, it just is interesting that the uh, John saw those two stones and, and could understand maybe what it is. And then it says there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And as I thought of how this works, I um, was intrigued by dimensions. Some of you know that we live in a, well, partly we live in a one-dimension world, partly in a two-dimensional world, but also, most part, we live in a three-dimensional world. So, is that the only dimensions that there are? I was maybe um, unwise, but I looked at Google to see how many dimensions. Well, all of a sudden you can have, you can make a dimension up, I think, if you want to. There's four dimensions, there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think I saw even upwards into the teens of dimensions. And it gets very, um, if you want to say complicated, but I was comforted in the things written in here, not, not in this chapter, but you see three-dimensional things <coughs> And even in just for reference, the, the new city coming down had a length, had a width, had a height. That is three dimensions. And so I refrain from human uh, investigation and reasoning into like how this throne can just be, uh, and we'll keep on going here, how it's looking. Like, and, and we don't know, we, we can't comprehend as John trying to give an idea how you can have um, some of these things take place. It just seems like you just have a big jumbled mess. You'd almost need more than three dimensions, but I don't know what dimensions it is, but nonetheless, these things fit together nice as we think of the throne, one sitting on the throne, and a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, all of us, as we see a rainbow on earth, only see part of it. And I'm not a scientist, but I was uh, pressure washing years ago. And I did discover that, depending on how the sun shone on the mist, that I was pretty certain a rainbow would go all the way around. Now, I might be wrong on that, but to me, I thought I saw almost a, a complete circle of rainbow colors. And here it actually agrees with that. Now, it says, there was a rainbow round about the throne. Now, maybe you could interpret that how, how roundabout it is, I don't know. But I, I, um, I always give credit to that there's newer and more things that we can't, uh, you know, maybe comprehend or see that uh, the human 
can't get. And, and one of them is that on the earth, God put a rainbow. It's only, a, it's only an arc. It's only part of a circle. And that I think in the new age to come, we may see a complete rainbow in a circle. Rainbow is beautiful and just a part of it. I don't know what it will be like in a, in a complete circle, depending on what's going around. But the other thing that's not mentioned here that I just want to pull out um, because of who God is, one of his um, characteristics is light. When we talk about God is light. And when you think about these stones and the rainbow and even an em- emerald is another stone, all of those things take light to make them look beautiful. If you take a diamond, it's not listed here, or a, I'm not sure if you all would ever seen a jasper, an emerald, or a sardius, or I'm not sure the right term for that stone, but precious stones have, somehow they have to have the light to make them beautiful. And in some cases, the light can actually go through stone. You, you can see like the whole stone is like glowing green or, or reddish or there's, there's many colors. But without the light, you wouldn't see the beauty in it. And you've all seen uh, that, the, a sparkle or a, um, I've, I've seen already in snow just where it's like it's so bright and you, you just see the, the, uh, the light, the reflection. Uh, and aside from snow, even like a diamond, that like that one place, it just sparkles so bright. Uh, that all is because of light. And so the foundation of God as light just is reflected through all of these things here in verse 3. So as we keep going, it says in verse 4, And round about the throne, that's why I say, well, where's this rainbow out at? But here's round about the throne. Again, numerous times we have about this and round about the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold lots of discussion and wonderings of who these 24 elders are and I'm not sure if I really know a hundred percent like that you can nail it down if you want to say exactly who these people are but there is some indications in the, um, the creativity of God, if, if I can say that. He took, uh, the, and the best, to me, it makes sense in reading and studying is, is that God just took the 12 um, tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples and put them together, and you have 24 elders. And it, it, it pulls it from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it completes a little bit what God's trying to do. He created man. We have the Old Testament. And then he came. He died on the cross, the plan of salvation. Then you have the, the uh, going forth from that. And that uh, seems like that's where a, a number 24 can fit very well with both of them fitting together. And it notes that it says about who's sitting on these. They are ones that are clothed in white raiment. And that's a sign of purity, holiness, being accepted before God. And we know that, at least in theory, that you know, God had chosen the 12 um, you know, tribes of Israel and the uh, 12 disciples, apostles in the, New, uh, in the New Testament. They have been accepted and, and, for the most part, did the purpose of what God wanted. 
and it says they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now this is one where imagination goes right to the crown that just goes a ring around your head. But that is not actually the case. As you study the word crown in the games of the Greek uh, culture, they would uh, have a winner in, in the games, the Olympics way back then. And the winner would receive a, a um, and I don't know really what they call it, the garland is one word, a wreath is another word, but they would give that to the person, and we kind of see it today, where instead of on your head, they just, they put it over top of your head, and it just loops around, and it's, I don't know what all's in it, it could be made, you know, various ways with different things, um, and so that's a little bit what they're trying to describe here as far as what a crown actually is. Now it says had on their heads crowns of gold, if you take the words literally. Um, I'm not quite sure how you put the two together, but what it's pointing out is, is that that crown, whether on the head or around the neck, is a sign that they have completed the work that God gave them. And they won or they were in victory and were given this as a sign that they had achieved that victory. And that is the representation given there with heads of crown, or on their heads, crowns of gold. I didn't study into gold, what all that symbolizes. There's lots of gold used in the Old Testament as well. But verse 5, keep going here. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. I assume a lot of you enjoy thunderstorms. And we've had a few this summer. And I remember one years ago with... Uh, oh, I was still in school. And uh, we go to Shady, Shady Grove School. just right down below us there. The... Um, the day was dark, it was in the evening, and the lightning was flashing, and it wasn't too much until all of a sudden there was a bright flash, and boom, and it shook the house, and there was a big, I don't know if any of you have these or not anymore, anybody remember those big wooden spoons and forks? There's all kinds of decorations I know, but they were, they were pretty substantial. And there was two of them hanging on the wall, and it shook the house enough that I remember one of them fell off. It might not have been mounted or held on by very much, but the, there was enough vibration and a, and a, a shaking of the house that, you know, a flash and a boom, and this thing fell down. And here it says, out of the throne proceeded lightnings, and lightnings are bright. They are, if you watch the ground when lightning strikes, I mean, it just lights up everything for just a split second. And there were, uh, it says, lightnings and thunderings and voices. And I don't understand what all these are. But it is something that represents power, um, strength. It makes us as humans, we stand in awe of, of, of a thunderstorm. And those... Uh, Thunderings, lightnings, and voices, you could study back through examples in the Old Testament because we know when God came down uh, with Mount Sinai, there was lightnings, I think, thunderings. Uh, it's part of who God is. And in Isaiah 6, 4, it says, 
about when he saw God, I'm jumping in in verse 4, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. That it, it was just that awe that you knew it was from God and it shook the place. There, there's just an, an awe that goes with that. And that's what I think was taking place here, the, the lightnings and the thunderings and the voices. This last part of the verse says, And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Now you have this throne, you have these things around, but right before the throne, a phrase there to pull out, it says, And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. I wasn't sure uh, what I wanted to study in this verse. Quite a few things you can look at. Um, the lamps burning, um, the phrase seven spirits of God. It's just some curiosity, uh, and I didn't do a whole lot. We know that in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there was you know seven um, lamps. We have fire that was supposed to be there. They were burning, and could make parallels there or not. But I, I went more towards the, the seven spirits of God. It says that those things are burning. They are the seven spirits of God. Now, how we can understand the spirit of God, I don't know. And how and why it says seven, we don't even know. A lot of commentaries and people that would uh, say it's a sevenfold spirit. It means like it's still one spirit, but there's like seven things involved with that. And so I took to scripture on my search of Power Bible. And I found seven phrases that exactly say spirit of something. And interestingly, I came up with seven of them. And I'll list them to you. This is of what I found. This doesn't come from any, not to my credit or anything, but this has no reference to any resource at all besides the Bible. And you can write these down if you want. Seven spirits that I found, and I have references for each one. Spirit of life, that's Revelation 11, 11. Spirit of truth, that's John 16, 13. Spirit of holiness, that's Romans 1, 4. A spirit of glory. That's First Peter four fourteen. A spirit of wisdom. Ephesians one seventeen. A spirit of grace. Either Hebrews ten twenty nine or Zechariah twelve ten. I wasn't sure which one was the best there, but they both mention it. Spirit of grace. The last one, a spirit of judgment. Isaiah 4.4 4. And as I looked at all seven of these, take any aspect of life that we know of it today, and it will fit in one of these. I thought in my own right, I was just jotting my own ones down, you know, and I was like, I had creation and relationships and uh, you know, whatever else we can come up with. Emotions, I think I wrote. And I had a list, and after a while I had too many. And this ain't really holding out. That's why I went to the Bible, just see what it is. 
you can take any of those that I was writing down and you can fit them into this. You take life. I take it as creation, physical life, but spiritual life. I mean, it's, and all these things open my mind up to, to bigger things because of how, who God is. I mean, these words are, are big. That life, that's a big word. Truth, holiness, glory, wisdom, grace, and judgment. What's missing? I don't know. But that's what I wrote down for the seven spirits of God. We'll keep going here. Verse 6 says, And before the throne, we have that phrase, before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Uh, most of this description is a continuation of the what I was talking about, the the. Um, the stones with the light and and we have it here again there was a sea of glass like unto crystal as you know crystal it's usually clear we talk about you know it's crystal clear and yet um it says glass as well and and yet you could see it somehow and uh it says and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne now we have what it says were four beasts full of eyes before and behind so this introduces us to the four beasts, and these, uh, I should say, let me just back up to the word beast. That is, it's not improper English, but it's improper King James. So that is, okay, so you, you know about the mark of the beast. There's, there's two separate beasts here. You have... The four beasts before God, and you have the beast that is like the mark of the beast. The Greek word gives you two different ones, and one is like the mark of the beast, and we'll get into that later. That's like a wild creature, an untamed animal, just um, something you don't want to encounter. The word here that we have today is um, translated better, a, um, a living creature. So it's something that's alive, uh, but it's calm and it's tame and it's not out of control at all. And the, the original language would bring that out. So these are, bef- um, says, uh, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. I'm just going to point out right away, it's given later about eyes. And... Weston, I think in the opening, I couldn't remember the verse, but you had one that would fit very well here about how everything is open in the sight of God. Hebrew, I have down here Hebrews 4.13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I don't know all the details how that works, but I think the indication is there that the vision that an eye can do and see is it sees everything. It's part of who God is. So in verse 7 here, it says about what these were like. Um, The first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth, fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So, those are more mysterious than the 24 elders. Uh, 
you get lots of opinions on uh, out of these. Um, one that I and and why the number four I I don't know either, but it's four. The only the one that I um, there again going back to the tabernacle and there may be a lot more in the tabernacle than what we realize. But the tribe or the uh, yeah tribes of Israel, twelve of them were divided into four places and 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 basically they each had their the north west south and east they each had their part round about to protect the tabernacle the tabernacle was the presence of god and here we have a throne of god and there's four four beasts around it and we don't understand exactly what they were if you if we just keep on going here verse 8 and it says and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes there again uh, talking about the vision that God can see things and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come the uh, four beasts uh, the what we see you know like uh, the first description we give we we read here you know of what they look like but then in verse 8 it changes a little bit because it says about each of them had six wings about him. And that, for the most part, agrees with other visions in Scripture. Um, some of the visions, you know, might vary a little bit, but it's basically the main thing. Same thing. And this, I think a lot of these would, would give reference to mighty angels. And a word given in Scripture is cherubim. And there's not much there to study about. There's a few references, but they are the strong angels. And maybe later some of you could help me out, but I grew up, for some reason, thinking there's four archangels. Well, I can't find them now. <laughs> I, I don't remember name. I thought Satan was one, Michael and Gabriel, and there was just some other one. That made the four. Well, I'm not finding that anywhere, and um, you take your uh, Bible dictionaries and look up Archangel, and they, they're they not really sure either. The only two that we know of are Gabriel and Michael, and even that case, uh, Archangel itself is only used one time with Michael, but Gabriel we know as a strong angel as well. Now, whether that's these beings or not, I don't know, these living creatures... But that's what it describes. And I don't want to know, worried so much about figuring out who they are and what they might represent. I am more interested today, brothers and sisters, in what they were saying. And look at the phrase that they were saying. They're round about the throne and they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We're just going to put the rest of these verses together real quick here and it says and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying thou art worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created in verse 10, just interesting to note, it says, And they cast their crowns before the throne. So this crown that they had, whether it's the symbol of victory, or whether it's on your head, around, whatever it would have been, they take that and they say, 
yes, we, we received the victory, but no, it wasn't us. It was because of what this person that's around the throne, and they give it back to him and say, it's, this is, it was your work. This is what you did is why we have it. And so you see that they had it, and then they, they cast it. They, they give it back to the, the one before the throne. And then they say these things uh, in verse 11. They, they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. One more word yet. I'm pretty well finished here, but in verse 11 we have, And for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And I like that word pleasure. We understand what the word pleasure means. But in, the, in studying it, what some of the wording, um, it, it does have a little bit of a different um, twist to it. It's not so much that just God made them and then he could receive the, the pleasure back from them. There's more weight given that instead of using the word pleasure, you could say it was his will or it was his desire to do these things. And that puts a whole lot more weight because now you see the intentions of what God did not to receive for himself, but that he intended to create and to make these things. I know it might be a little whatever, but if you want to just fit it in the same place, in the Lord's Prayer it says, um, Thy will be done. That's the same Greek word here as pleasure. So those two, you could, you could kind of put them together. Um, and interestingly, you, in the Lord's Prayer, you could say, Thy pleasure be done. Well, that would maybe be okay, but thy will be done just has a lot more weight and, and potential uh, just to understand it. And so you could put will in here or desire, and it says, um, For thou hast created all things, and for thy desire or thy will they are and were created. And I'm going to um, stop at that. I would like to attempt something this morning out of the um, events of the week, if you want to say, the, uh, how our hearts may be feeling this morning. And I would, I would like if any of you, at your own will, the least you can do is stand and give reference and just read either verse 11 or the ending of verse 8. If you feel God deserves honor and praise this morning. I read them myself. That is who we serve. I will read them again. Repetition does not matter because it says, They rest not day and night saying these things before the throne. And it's not going to be at all out of place to have it said however many times you want to this morning. Now, I know it may seem a little bit different and the, the awkwardness of who says it and what. Just let that all go. If you have a heart of worshiping God this morning, just stand and read it. Stand and say, if you have something else you want to say, feel free to do that as well. But the least we can do this morning is to recognize who God is. And so... Sort of impromptu, but if any of you, even women, if you want to, what you've experienced this week, I don't think I have personally as much as what I think some other ones from church here. So if you want to praise the Lord this morning, I 
I'll give you opportunity to do that. You just stand to your feet and recite these, say, um, 